Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us for this episode of Threat Talk. I'm your host, Bob Hansman, and today's episode is the role of platforms in an agile world. Uh, originally, platforms were designed to provide some sort of a stable foundation that would eliminate or at least minimize the impact of other things that were going on around them. And there's different kinds of platforms. I've used them in engineering and development. Um, and of course, we have them as platforms for various applications. But they have had to evolve to accommodate a world that's moving at the speed of the cloud. So today, we're going to drill down into the role of platforms today, and more specifically, how they are enabling the delivery of SaaS solutions. Now, as usual, to help us get some meaningful insights on this subject, we've invited several veteran guests. Unfortunately, uh, Anthony James, the Infoblocks Vice President, has had a last-minute conflict, but he's provided us with Krupa Srivastan, Director of Product Marketing over Security at Infoblocks. Thank you for joining us, Krupa. Hey, Bob. Glad to be here. And we also have Troy Hager, the Senior Director of SaaS Platform for Infoblocks. Welcome, Troy. Hey, Bob. Hey, Krupa. Glad to join today. I love to always talk about all things platforms, so glad to be here. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of uh, your life. Uh, and so in order to set the stage, I actually did want to start with you, Troy, and, and ask a question to establish some of the vocabulary. As, as I mentioned in the intro, platform can mean all sorts of things, um, but SaaS also means all, all sorts of things. Now, <laughs> even though our audience is familiar with SaaS, um, that as a service phrase is getting tacked onto all sorts of terms. So since you're on the platform side, managing SaaS platforms, can you clarify the difference between them and the connection between a SaaS and a PaaS platform as a service? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll take a shot. I think the lines are always uh, getting a little bit closer, as you know, and I think you talked about when, when there is some confusion there. I think when we think about platform as a service, first of all, providers you know, deliver a platform to their customers, enabling them to develop, kind of do full software development, run data, uh, perform operations and manage business applications, right? So yep. the key point there is really it's without the need to build and maintain the infrastructure. So when we think of the likes of AWS or Azure or IBM or Oracle, you know, those types of, those types of offerings. When we think about SaaS, as you said, I mean, it is generally, we think of software delivery, we think of subscription, we think of a very specific or prescribed set of features or capabilities that a customer of the software can subscribe uh, to the SaaS service. So when we look at platform benefits and we think about, well, how do, when we say at Infoblocks, we're building a platform, we're thinking about how do we enable our SaaS applications to have scalability, resiliency, be highly available and support the underlying foundational services? Uh, so it takes a lot of work. You know, we approach our platform build out as with a full new microservice based architecture. And, you know, it takes a lot of strategy, a lot of common services and build out to kind of drive that forward. And the platform is what's providing those common services, right? Correct. Yeah. When we think about successful platforms, it, what we measure uh, kind of against is what's our ability to kind of expedite the solutions go to market? Can we rapidly provide new solution or service introductions for SaaS? Can we increase our customer satisfaction with enabling new services? I mean, we come from a long, rich heritage of delivering kind of annual 
networking services in our NIOS updates. Uh, and so thinking about transforming that, what you go through to move into kind of a rapid, agile methodology, cloud-based SaaS platform development. Uh, so it's there. It's very, you know, very comprehensive. So. Well, and, and in the spirit of transparency for our, our listeners and viewers, um, of course, the reason we invited you today to talk about platform specifically is because um, Infoblox is doing a lot of uh, big, major education and information campaign right now because of this Blocks One platform you developed. Um, which was, of course, your focus. And there are several products built on that platform. There is a, a DDI, which is your DNS, DHCP, and IPAM solution set. That's been built on top of it. There's also a security set, which Krupa, that's, that's your product, which kind of leads me to, you know, this is another interesting thing. We've got a platform product manager. That's you, Troy. But the products on top of it are being managed by other product managers, and so you're offloading a lot of the things that they would have to hassle with, right? Yeah, I mean, when we think about the platform development and all the core infrastructure and microservices that we build out, I mean, there's, there's a, what we, how we think about that is what are the common underlying services that we can take away from requiring those apps? So things like authentication and logging and metrics collection and building out our data lake and our data analytics and data science capabilities, which drives that threat intelligence and some of our networking analytics. So, you know, I, I think there's a lot reporting services and ecosystem integration. So all of those things can be extracted from the actual go-to-market capabilities. So what would those be? So in security, we offer things like the DNS firewall and the threat intelligence services and the, and the investigations and all of those types of capabilities. All of those in the networking, you have DNS and DHCP and IPAM services. So when you look across all of them, they all need authentication, single sign-on, logging, metrics. So by up-leveling those core services to the platform, we're able to kind of bring on more incremental SaaS solutions in a much more rapid pace. So I, I'm kind of thinking about this. So that means like even like managing storage databases and things like that, you're providing that infrastructure. So they just have to figure out what information they need to store, what they're, what they need to sort through, what they're searching for, but you're handling all of that heavy lifting. Now, again, as a developer, uh, when I got into the industry decades ago, um, I remember just the database alone was my, my major headache. So when they have problems, you're their tech support. When they need a new feature, they ask you <laughs> if the infrastructure can handle it. And if not, you have to build that because they need something new, right? Yeah, I mean, all that plumbing, all of the transactional support, all of the data storage, all the cloud computing, when we think about compute and elastic and all of the different uh, technologies, I mean, Probably back when you were developing software, Bob, you know, you had one database, right? And it was a relational yeah. database. You know? And then we moved to, you know, you know the, the database technologies have changed and they continue. Storage, how you store, how you organize data. So we deploy four or five different database strategies within one offering. So, yeah, I think, uh, you know, but again, like you said, the, the, the way to think about it is the core plumbing, the core foundational services and I don't know that I'd like to think of ourselves as their tech support, but I'll, I'll leave that for you <laughs> and the, the team to discuss further. Well, and 
Actually, I want to bring Coop in here because there's a very interesting thing that we're talking about here, kind of a, getting a little off platforms, but you've enabled something that a lot of people are talking about. Forrester calls it the zero trust edge. Gartner's calling it sassy because you've got a network product and you have a security product and they're both running on a single platform. So Krupa, how does this, I mean, we're not presenting this as a sassy solution or anything, but this is like the poster child of what I remember Gartner presenting when they first came out with sassy, that networking and security needed to work together to deliver the benefits that people need for security and for networking. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, as we all know, SASE stands for Secure Access Service Edge. And the idea here is to combine networking and security functions, you know, together with capabilities like WAN and, uh, and security capabilities like firewall as a service, secure web gateway, ZTNA, right, Zero Trust, um, and DNS security, right? So, it, SASE is not a product. It's not like a, you know, something that you buy, like a solution and you check your box. Yes, I've got SASE, right? It's a vision. It's more of a model for companies to think about how to provide networking um, and security services wherever the users are. You know, we talk a lot about anywhere workplace and hybrid workplace. So, um, and it is a, becoming a reality, right? Even post pandemic, after the recovery, companies are still going to allow their employees to work from anywhere, at least part of their work week, right? Maybe they they don't come into the office five days a week. So now you've got this larger uh, volume of people working from anywhere. Uh, You've got the edge, you've got branch offices, um, you know, even non-standard edge, right? IoT edge, things like that. So how do you extend your standard networking and security services to those locations is what kind of SASE is about. And you're right, the underlying core um, you know, component for SASE is a cloud-native platform that can deliver that networking and security functions to those edge locations. And yeah, we're not saying that Infoblox has a SASE solution, but there are several components that are required for a successful SASE model including identity and context of the device, of the user, right? Um, where, where he's connecting from. Is he authorized to access these applications? So there's a lot of identity-related information, both for user and device, in our platform, which is our DHCP and IPAM platform, which uh, provides that level of context and visibility for SASE use cases, so to speak, right? And of course, we have uh, what we talked about earlier, we have the DNS security as a service on our Blocks One platform. We call it Blocks One Threat Defense, which is one of our SaaS offerings on the Blocks One platform. And that can provide DNS-based security wherever the users are, at home, right? From Starbucks, on the road, right? So, um SASE is a vision. It's a model. We have some components that can help with that vision. Yeah, no. And that's, again, that's why I even asked the questions because you're extending that networking visibility out to, you know, what is now we refer to as the edge, but, you know, historically I've worked uh, remote most of my career. And uh, unless I, you know, went via VPN, the company didn't know, you know, uh, what I was doing. You know, and I also had no access to any of those network based defenses. But by using this common platform, the security solutions able to extend those network services 
even if I'm not VPNing in, if I'm just wherever doing anything on my machine, you still have that visibility and control. That, and that was why I was wondering how, how close. And I'm glad you mentioned the big, the, to, to me, the biggest point. Sassy isn't a product because there's so much marketing out there that they say, oh, yeah, we have the Sassy product. And they make it sound like if you just buy our product, you can check the box. We have Sassy. And it's not. It's a strategy about the value of merging networking and security. And that's where you've really started here uh, today. And and you mentioned something, Troy, a little while ago. You were referring to NIOS, which some of our listeners may not know. That's the on-prem solution that um, Infoblox has. And so if you're using this on-prem solution and you're using this whole cloud combination of Blocks One cloud solutions, how right. does that work in a hybrid world? Well, I think hybrid, you know, means a lot of things, first of all, to a lot of people. And, you know, people talk about what on-prem means, and then they talk about hybrid, and then they talk about cloud only or cloud first. And really, you know, what, what we generally do, how I tend to think about it is what customers need today. People are evolving. People are trans. We're transforming to this digital cloud world. We're moving from maybe I have data centers that still have on-prem needs. Maybe I have uh, additional security or black box type implementations where I have higher restrictions, but I also have branches and I have edge uh, remote employees. So to me, hybrid is all about supporting the needs of our customers wherever they're at with whatever they need. Uh, And so how we go about really doing that has to be very thoughtful and and all of our SaaS solutions have been kind of designed with kind of that hybrid. If we want, if we have a customer who comes on and they're full SaaS, full cloud, we want to make sure we can support them in that initiative. If we have customers who come on and they still are in the transformation or depending on where they're at in kind of their business process, we want to make sure that we have solutions and capabilities that match all of those needs. So that's how I think about the word hybrid. Um, but I know that there's a lot of different uh, folks out there with different thoughts around it. And I'm assuming that because your DDI cloud DDI solution and the cloud security solution both need to be integrated on-prem, I imagine your platform piece that you provide does that connectivity so that they can mm-hmm. both work together as a, you know, as if they were all in one place. Well, and we, you know, we, so connecting, we want to be able to support folks again who want to run stuff on-prem and manage it. And we want them to be able to quickly and be able to go into a single pane of glass through our cloud services portal and connect up whatever the boxes or devices, whether they're VPN uh, or connections as virtuals or cloud or, or appliances from us, appliances from uh, bare metal from other vendors. So we really want to have this agnostic approach to, you know, allowing anyone to connect. We call that zero touch provisioning and a lot of our, lot of our products and our appliances and different things, you know, you just simply connect them up and they call, they phone home and get connected and identify. And of course there's security steps that you have to go through as an admin to go in. We don't, you know, customers don't want random boxes connecting (laughs) to their environment. Right. Uh, So being a security company, you know, we do have a, a whole pretty, you know, a long, a long string of checks and 
actions that are taken to authorize those machines to join those networks. And that's kind of like the IoT stuff that Krupa, you were mentioning a little bit earlier, you know, um, which I know uh, you've done a lot with uh, with banking and uh, healthcare. As a matter of fact, I was just reading about uh, a, a CISA warning, an FBI warning recently about um, a particular defibrillator that, and I can't pronounce that word, so forgive me, but uh, they, uh, they, the, the management software to manage, you know, all of those things that might be spread across a mall or a hospital or, or a business, they have a central management console and that has got, has been compromised. It's been vulnerable and yet it's an IOT device. It's not a computer. It's not, um, it's not a software you run on a computer. It's actually a separate device that they have. Mm-hmm. And so if you have, and I hadn't thought about it because the article talks about, Hey, this management console's on your network. You need to know about it, but hold it. Every one of those defibrillators are also on my network because they're all, I mean, that's how it's communicating. It's over Wi-Fi that all of this is being connected. So your network is communicating and handling the traffic for those devices. So yeah, IOT kind of uh, throws a new wrench into all of this. That's right. And I think the the challenge with IOT, especially in environments like medical um, uh, you know, hospitals or even shop floor IOT, right? Your manufacturing, they're all non-standard devices. They don't, you cannot deploy endpoint agents on all of those devices, right? Uh, and like you said, they may be communicating through Wi-Fi or some other means. Uh, they may not all be communicating uh, in the same way. But what, what's common is they all are connected to the network and they all are, you know, either they have IP addresses or they do DNS lookups or they connect to an IoT gateway that has an IP address and does DNS lookups. So uh, so that's where DNS security can help secure these type of non-standard environments, right? And um, when you have um, a compromise, and this is actually one of our customer use cases where they actually had, you mentioned defibrillator, or even I can't pronounce it, but they're, they're <laughs> we have a, we'll get, we'll have get a, a fourth guest next time to tell us what a defibrillator, yeah, yeah. You, you beat Bob but, out by just an inch there, so. <laughs> <laughs> but we did have a case where an ultrasound machine was compromised and, um, you know, our DNS security was able to catch that simply because DNS is this foundational kind of um, layer for all networks, for all connectivity. And when you have some, uh, you know, compromised devices trying to connect to an external destination, it does a DNS lookup. So when you use threat intel and analytics on your DNS servers, you can catch a lot of these suspicious activities, even in non-standard environments like IoT. Yeah. And and again, you know, we're using some extreme examples, but this also applies to everything from thermostats to even routers. You know, these are devices that, you know, user, everybody tends to think of as an endpoint as the thing the user connects to. And it's not. It's anything that might need to communicate over over the network. And so going back to the value of the platform here is that um, if your DDI solution they decide they need to have more data around a particular type of device that your IPAM technology needs to do more discovery. Cause I mean, already you guys do more than just collect an IP address. You, you actually query the machine and ask it a lot of details, you know, hardware versions, Mac addresses and things like that. 
But if they wanted something more, they could put that request into you. So the DDI team has asked for something they want to put in their solution. Platform builds it. Now on Krupa's side for the security product, you have more information available and you didn't have to do a thing. Well, that's kind of the power of platform. I mean, if you would think about classic software development, if I was out there building a DNS firewall solution separate from another business unit building a network mm -hmm. product, you'd have most likely two different independent solutions, potentially in the old days, running them both down on-prem, probably with perhaps the same type of database, maybe, maybe not. You might have different technologies underneath there. You might have them deployed on different boxes in different locations with different security protocols or communication limitations. So you have two standalone different services. Now you back in the day, we would obviously want to integrate those solutions if we were provided by a common vendor like InfoBlocks. And so we would use APIs or REST calls or typical classic, what I consider software integrations to share and leverage and make more valuable customer you know, interactions. In a platform yeah. world, right? When you move forward to today, what you're really talking about is that you're running these things all up in the cloud in the same environment, right? Your 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 DNS firewall, you're getting that call for a, a known malicious location through DNS from that that ultrasound or that device in the medical device, and it's coming up, it's identified at the point of origin at the call level that it's ransomware or malware or some form of, of threat. And Parallel to that, you're running the network services. Those things are passing through our platform at the same time. So, you know, you're talking about one viewpoint of, well, what more can we provide if you're running both of those things? You said MAC address, IP fingerprints, all of those types of things. Also, what where are they going? What's the DNA of that location? Is it, you know, who's hosting that? Where is it being hosted? What's the, the domain kind of look up what's the who is data what's the metadata around the destination you bring all of that together you have the risk classification the threat classification the networking information the security kind of right you're able to make smarter decisions in real time and the and the platform also when we talked about it was oh it provides scalability and high availability and kind of all these great buzzwords but when you think about threat intelligence one of the things you look at all of the historical security products out there over the years and what well, one thing they all have in common is they all brought down a filter, whether it's a firewall, a IP firewall, a, a browser email, email security, they all bring down some kind of intelligence. They run against whatever it is that their specialty is to look and examine and they apply right the, the security. When you go to the cloud now, you have the unlimited, you think about like content filtering, content categorization, you're indexing the entire internet. You're able to say what different types of applications are. So I think it, I think not only does it fuse all the data, it allows smarter rules, smarter policy, but it also gives you an unlimited scope. So those are some of the key platform benefits we bring. Okay. I want to, I want to thank, uh, um, Krupa for introducing the word ultrasound so we don't have to deal with that other term when trying to refer to <laughs> medical devices. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you, you raise an interesting point here because, again, in classical software, 
development, you know, you might buy libraries from other organizations and that library has a whole bunch of functions. You just need one. Now they introduce a new function. You decide to use it. But the library is actually a newer version of even the functions you already use. So now you've got to test everything. So every time even one part of that library changes, your QA process is, is ridiculous. Now, one thing that we've done is we've moved to containers, but also by putting all of this in the cloud in small little containers, you're able to introduce new things without impacting anything else's stability or reliability. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, it's a the, the microservice-based architecture and running with Kubernetes and all of the different things that mm -hmm. we do. I mean, it, is there any one piece of that that allows what you're talking about? So I don't want to mislead people, but it's the general capability of co combining agile methodologies with cloud development gives you a rapid response time, right, to customer demand. And customer demand may show up as what you want to bring to market for your customers or feedback you've gotten at your customer like cabs and tabs or advisories, or it could mm -hmm. be coming up through our support system as, you know, things that customers report into support that they want addressed or enhanced or enriched, right. Or our product management, of course, we drive our one year, three year, five year roadmaps, right. Through kind of or even just environmental things like COVID came out. That's not a business issue, a technology issue, a threat issue, not a coding issue. It's a whole other thing. Yet you were able to, to respond to that because of course you got the scalability of SaaS. So, you know, the fact that all of a sudden customers that only 10% of their people were remote, now they got 90% remote, you know, that was easy to scale. Um, but you're also able to adapt to, wow, now they need, new ways of doing things. Cause when I was a mobile, you know, worker and, and you did a lot of research on the, on the whole work from home thing that, you know, mobile workers, it used to be that when I was on the road, there were certain things I couldn't do. And everybody thought that was okay because he'll have to be back in the office someday, or he might call somebody to do it for him. But all of a sudden everything had to be done. So the level of services you had to secure and support, you know, provide those network services for, that just the, the the needs of the customer changed dramatically, not just that they were working from home, but the kind of work they did remote. That's right. And, and, and I think a lot of these changes, this work from anywhere, moving workloads to the cloud, uh, SaaS adoption, all of them were already a, a, an upward trend before the pandemic. The pandemic just accelerated it tenfold, right? So um, so what that means is the companies are already moving in that direction, and now you see an accelerated adoption, So, and that's going to stick, right, post-pandemic. It's not like we're going to go back to uh, in-person, on-prem <laughs> world, right? So you, uh, companies need that flexibility if they want to stay competitive in this labor market and if they want to provide meet what their customers want and meet the customers' demands. And so um, while the pandemic accelerated it, it's a lot of things are going to stay the way they are right now, right? Or even move further in that direction of cloud-first type uh, networking and security. And one of the things that I think um, we, uh, you know, I try talked about fast innovation from a product perspective, but even for customers, right? If they want to get up and running, they can do it fast with a cloud-native platform and SaaS services, right? Let's say they're opening up a new branch location. 
They want DNS DHCP services there and they want DNS security there. It's super fast, right? There's there's nothing to, no infrastructure to deploy on-prem. You know, everything is managed in the cloud. So all they need is, you know, a, a way to access that cloud service and they're up and running. They're up and running in terms of getting the core network services in place for that branch location. They're up and running in terms of securing that branch location. And like you mentioned, you know, uh, branches are also directly going to the internet. They're no longer hairpinning all the traffic to a data center, right? Because that leads to poor user experience. And so, especially in a SaaS world when everything is, um, you know, in the cloud, you don't want to hairpin all the traffic back to the data center um, when the applications are not in the data center, they're in the cloud. So, um, um, so I think for all those use cases, right, um, you will see that a cloud native solution, a cloud managed solution brings value much faster. All right. Well, unfortunately, as usual, we've run out of topics before we uh, or ran out of time before we ran out of topics uh, to discuss. I really wanted to dig a little more into the SaaS thing, particularly since you have that networking piece and security piece and tied to that work from home. It means that, you know, defenders, they've got visibility to everything they might need in one place. So some really cool stuff here. Maybe we'll uh, we'll do this uh, with a part two later on. But for now, um, you know, Krupa, I want to thank you for joining us, particularly at the last minute. No problem. And Troy, uh, really appreciate you taking time on the product management side. You guys are really busy. So thank you for coming as well. You bet. Thanks, Bob. Good to see you guys. All right. And I want to thank all of our viewers and our listeners for your time. So join us next time as we continue our efforts to help you stay on top of cybersecurity and ahead of cyber risks on Threat Talk.